The messages we receive from the people in our lives, going all the way back to childhood, shape the way we see ourselves. And unfortunately, for a lot of us, that means we find ourselves often facing the challenges of self-loathing. We tell ourselves we're not good enough, we're not worthy, we'll never succeed, and that we're failures. If this sounds like you, stay tuned for a really meaningful and honest conversation between five people about what self-loathing has looked like in our lives. And more importantly, how we've worked through and learned to undo the messaging and start loving ourselves. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. If you haven't already, don't forget to check out our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com. There's so much more than just a podcast there. You'll find our blog with tips and tools to support your recovery, links to all our social media, and you can sign up for our newsletter to get extra content and information about our free Zoom meetings delivered right to your inbox. You've got a whole community here, and we would love to have you be a part of it. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I know we don't really talk about this, or we've we've never mentioned this on an episode before, but it can be so hard to get all of these people in one place. And we have last minute cancellations and confusions with Zoom and all of that. And so it is, I'm just so grateful that we are sitting here with these amazing three people um, and that it all worked out and that we made it happen today. So we are going to do our introductions as usual, and then we will dive in. Haley, do you want to get us started? I certainly can, Julie. Thank you. My name is Haley. I live in Alexandria, Minnesota. I have two kiddos. I have a daughter and a son. And this past September 12th, I hit my three-year anniversary, and I am... Thank you. And I am super grateful to be here today. So thank you guys for allowing me to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you. And just for the record, I think your soberversary is the very best one, um, (laughs) simply because it is also mine. Um, So super cool to share that with you. No, I'm just kidding. Any soberversary is a great one, but you know, it's cool that we share it. Okay, let's go with Greg next. You want to tell us about yourself? Hey, Julie, and the rest of you guys. Uh, Thanks for inviting me uh, uh, to the show. Um, Are there any other Canadians on this? Am I the only Canadian? You're right here, bud. Right here. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Right here. I am. Whereabouts are you? In Toronto. You're in Toronto? Yeah, Toronto, Ontario. I'm just outside of the Sarnias. I used to live just outside of London. So you're, uh, you're only a couple of three hours down the road there, bud. Hey, hey, that's really good, eh? Yeah, we should go for a Timmy's and go for a rip there after, huh? Yeah, maybe we go out and about, you know, and get some donuts. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so good. Let's <laughs> feel oh, right at home now. I do, oh, so I feel, it feels great. I'm not a foreigner. 
<laughs> it's it's really cool to be here, and uh, I, I love the subject that we're going to talk about. A bit about myself, uh, just very briefly. Uh, I was uh, I got sober in 1996. My my clean date is uh, May 16th, 1996, and because I benefited so much from therapists when I was in treatment, I became a therapist myself. Uh, much to the chagrin of some people in AA going, oh God, not you too. So uh, I uh, went back to school, became a therapist and uh, working in addiction treatment centers. And actually 10 years after I got sober in 1996, started working for the same hospital in the same rehab, which was interesting. No way. That's awesome. Thank God no one really recognized me. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. Oh, I bet you changed though in 10 yeah. years. That's amazing. Big time. So that was, uh, yeah, the beginning of a, a career I've had as a, as a therapist working in addiction mental health uh, since that time. Also an entrepreneur, uh, a number of years ago, started uh, one of Canada's first online therapy companies. So I was busy with that. Still do some clinical work today and uh, have my own podcast, which... I love, I love being a guest and I love having guests and uh, it's so cool to, uh, to be here. And thanks again. Yeah. Tell us what, what's the name of your podcast? Do you want to t tell our listeners just a little bit about that? Yeah. Make sure you plug that sucker. Insert plug here. Here's yes. a commercial. No, I'm just, um, <laughs> do you want some music? I'll put that in too. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Mind Body Matters is the name of the podcast. We're on all the platforms. I have a co-host, uh, Rob Reeford. He and I used to work in radio when we were in, in our 20s. And we both of us studied professional alcoholism back then. So we're both sober now. So it's a bit of a recovery uh, podcast. But yeah, we're really enjoying it. And Mind, Body, Matters just basically is a discussion about the mind and body and the connection between the two. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, we will definitely include a link to Greg's podcast in our show notes. So make sure you check that out and have a listen. And we will move on and introduce Keith. How are you? All right. Good. Thank you. Uh, Keith Alcoholic. So bright date, uh, June 17th, 02. I live in Connecticut and uh, just living life. I'm sober. Sobriety. Awesome. Really cool. We're really happy to meet you. Yeah. We actually have like two kind of long timers on here with us today. So that's, I'm excited to hear your guys' perspective. Um, like we said before, everything kind of changes the longer you've been sober. So yeah. anytime the words self-loathing come up in a recovery conversation, it's met with lots of emphatic nodding and a look of me too. Self-loathing is such a hard thing to face. And since it seems to be such a common feeling for people in recovery, we thought it would be good to talk about it. Is this something you've experienced? How did you move through it in a healthy way? And what have you, or how have you learned to love yourself? Anybody's welcome to start, and then we will just have a conversation. Uh, Keith, alcoholic, go for it. I'll go. I guess. Yeah, self-loathing is a great topic. Yeah, going back. Um, to what when I turned 18 on my 18th birthday, my mother handed me a letter explaining that she wasn't my natural mother. And um, so you know, after that, you know, I, I experienced some self-loathing and uh, and my drinking uh, took off. And so then after years of drinking, I got married and my wife uh, 
she's really the one that wore the pants in the family. And I, I tried to help out with chores, folding laundry, and I, I would fold the jeans, but the seams wouldn't be yet in line with each other. And she just fold, refold whatever I folded. And you know, it was clear to me I wasn't you know, good enough. And uh, you know, I had to you know, put the uh, silverware in the dishwasher a certain way, her way. And so I wasn't able to really you know, contribute. I didn't feel you know, very worthy. So I just go back to my chair and drink. And yeah, how I got out of my self-loathing, I, I accepted God back into my life. Uh, I, I always grew up believing in God, feeling God. I believed that I believed that you know, God was with me the whole my whole journey, but I wasn't letting God in when I was drinking. And so now that got in, and I, I went to uh, went to AA, and and I I found a purpose. Um, found a purpose in my life. AA and soon that self-clothing sort of you know went away then I you know, went through a divorce and sobriety and yeah you know, self-clothing crept back in but I just continued to go to meetings during service and yeah you know, I haven't uh, felt that self-clothing uh, since then I just continue you know day by day to you know, do uh, service and um, and Keep my sobriety and live life feeling good. So that's it. Thanks. It's amazing how when we hear somebody else's story and Keith, my story is your story. It's it's amazing, but it happens a lot in AA and recovery that we come from the same place more or less, and we may use different you know drugs of choice, but the self loathing comes from the very beginning and that's exactly my story as well mm -hmm. just very briefly grew up in an alcoholic family there was a lot of the self-criticism uh like like keith you were saying uh my uh experience looking back you know I, it wasn't a bad childhood but looking back there was a lot of verbal and emotional abuse that was going on i understand that now and even uh, until recently the last couple of years realizing that there was a lot of bullying going on when I was younger, that formed how I saw myself mm -hmm. and a lot of what was being said, and I'm sure people relate to this, a lot of what was being said about me, all the derogatory things became an inner voice later on. Yep. There's a whole bunch of head nods going on right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what what we do, right? We internalize all of the messages that we are given our whole lives. And we carry those around with us until we start recognizing like, wait, this is a message I received. I don't have to believe this anymore. And that to me, understanding that has been really powerful. Um, you know, I've received the message growing up with my family. My family is very perfectionistic, right? So the message that I received was I'm not good enough. I'm never good enough. Um, I'm only worthy of love if I am overachieving and, you know, super productive and, and all of this. And, and so I always felt like I wasn't enough. And then enter a marriage where, you know, my husband's very perfectionistic and he's very focused on productivity and achieving. And so I still felt like I wasn't enough. And to just realize these are the messages that I've received. I don't have to believe I'm not good enough. I get to decide I am good enough. I'm good enough for me, right? Mm -hmm. And when I got to that point, 
everything changed. I don't have to be good enough for my husband or my parents or anybody else in this world. I have to be good enough for me. And I sat down and I really figured out my standards. What what does a good mom look like to me? What does a good wife look like to me? And and once I figured out my own standards, then I could live by those. And I wasn't trying to live up to freaking everybody else's because that's all I did. Right. And there has just been so much freedom in just being good enough for me and not worrying about being good enough for anybody else. Because in the end, I'm the one that matters. Um, And that's there's just been a lot of it's been very empowering after so many years. I mean, for for 40 years, I felt like I wasn't good enough for any of the people in my life. So to finally take that back has been nothing short of a miracle. I mean, it's so self-loathing is basically it's like depression right oh it leads to depression for sure yeah really mm-hmm. quickly it can be especially if you're alone too right you you add loneliness to all of the messages that are like the negative messages that are stuck in my head like i'm starting to realize now at two at just over two and a half years sober that the messages the dysfunction was a function of what i was looking for in my partner so I was like, that's where I grew, I, I grew up in that. And then I started looking for it. So I wasn't good enough. I didn't feel good enough. And then because that's where I was comfortable, I ended up being in a relationship much like what you were talking about, Keith, where, you know, you can't do anything right. There's always something wrong with either the way I'm doing it or the way it looks after, even though the, the task is completed. There's still something nitpicky or whatever that may be where I have to go back and redo that task, fold the laundry, mow the lawn, whatever that may be. What's next? So I gave up, right? I, I, I stopped trying. It came to a it came to a point, and I mean, that's dysfunctional in the relationship too, and that's all on me. I stopped trying. I didn't communicate, of course. And then, Julie, you talk about the whole self, the, the self-worth portion. I'm just... I quit drinking and I started to be good enough for me. I started keeping my own promises to myself. And I mean, if that meant going to a meeting and making the time to go to a meeting, if that meant uh, making myself or making the family a loaf of bread, because that was one of the things that I did that helped me come out of that self. I started doing things that provided for other people and I started getting self-worth and coming out of that it's like, it's an empty, I kind of, it's like chaos of nothingness. There's nothing there. It's so empty. There's nothing to grab onto, even emotionally. It's just a fart in the wind. It just sucks. That's yeah, a, a lot of what Keith said, right? The serving others. And we can do that in so many ways, whether it's being involved in a recovery program or whether it's it's just showing up and serving our family and taking care of them. But that is a huge part of overcoming that self-loathing, no, no matter how you find to do that. I had to find people, and I found that in recovery, that actually supported me emotionally. And I think that was a key factor. And that, that, that for me was showing up to meetings and, and, and meeting people that were in recovery and having honest conversations with them. And they told me I had value, something I didn't believe. I didn't believe at all that 
that I had any, you know, intrinsic internal value. I, I wasn't good enough. I, I did things wrong. That was the story I told myself is, and, and when people started telling me a different story, like you are worthy and you are valuable and, and you have a place in this world. And I, I cried like a baby because it was not the message that I had internally felt. It was completely against anything like that's where I first really start fe- started feeling loved. Like really when I started internalizing those positive affirmations, which was really weird, then I started actually like digesting it because a lot of them bounced off beforehand. They just, I, I had a hell of a shield up that just wouldn't let those in. Nope. I don't believe you. Okay. Now Haley, I'm going to give you the floor. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. It's it's a very it's a very you know I was looking at this this morning very briefly because honestly um I kind of knew what this meant but then like another part of me looked at it and went hmm I should probably look more into this you know I was thinking about it this morning and I didn't for me a lot of a lot of the conversation regarding self worth and feeling deserving of certain things in life. And that brought me back to my childhood because when I was younger, I was very rarely, if ever, told that, you know, I was good enough to when I did certain things. Like in school, for instance, I would pretty much get told that I'm not doing something right or I wasn't sat down and it wasn't explained to me how I could do it better. I mean, anytime that I would try to do something to the best of my ability, it would still not be, it would not be good enough for somebody. And it was really hard because I grew up in a house where um, my mom was an addict. And so she was not present mentally and emotionally a lot of the time. And so I had, I had to step in and be like that. I took the, um, I'll just call it the mom role for my two siblings. And so doing that, I completely took it out of the picture to, you know, focus on what I could do to better myself each day. Um, It was more so of taking care of adult responsibilities or bringing my mom to the hospital or whatever it was. And so I didn't really have any experience with being told those positive affirmations. And now at the age of 31, I mean, I have, you know, just over three years of sobriety. But when I first got sober... I never thought of any of this. I just figured, you know, at the beginning, I'm putting down the alcohol. I'm, you know, going to be done, whatever. But then in the last, for sure, in the last year, a little over a year, roughly, I've had like this perspective shift where certain situations come up in my life, whether it's with my kids or myself or a loved one, whoever it is. And I look at that and I go, holy crap. Like I have felt certain emotions before and it stems from where where my mindset was when I was little or how I grew up. And, you know, I my dad is an alcoholic. And so his way of teaching me things or talking to me when I was a teenager was always like lecturing. Like the main time that we would always talk was, you know, at night after I got home at like 10, 11 o'clock. And at that point, he was already halfway, you know, not even there. And so it was more of the here's what you need to do better here's what you're, you know, struggling at, you know, this is what I want to see more of and et cetera, et cetera. 
And I looked at that and, you know, it bothered me before. It bothered me as a teenager to have that. But now I look at it and I go, that's why I struggle so much. Or it's part of the reason why I don't find myself worthy of love. Like I, it's free. I don't find myself deserving of grace. I will give anybody in my life, my kids and my recovery communities that I'm a part of, I will give anybody that I am in contact with grace, compassion, all of the things. But if I try um, to give it to myself, I really struggle with that because I don't think that I'm worthy enough for it. And I think that I have messed up if I do something wrong with the laundry or I yell at my kids because they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And I raise my voice at them. I then feel like I don't deserve their affection, their love, their understanding, their acceptance. And that's really hard for me. And I almost wonder, thinking about it, if that is something that can contribute to my own depression that I experience quite a bit nowadays, is that I feel so just, um, I feel so low and I get to a point where I go, okay, I'm unworthy because I can't get out of my bed in the morning or I can't get the three piles of laundry that need to get done, done. And, but then there I go, I define in those moments, I define my worthiness in productivity, getting, I'm not deserving of love or anything else unless I get this done or unless I play with my kids or if I get the dishes washed. And today I kind of had like that aha moment where I go, that's not fair to me to have this expectation for myself that I'm not deserving of any of that unless I'm doing something. And I've always been a doer, like constantly. I've I've always been a doer since like my young childhood years. It's just been I'm constantly doing because the moment that I'm not doing something, I immediately feel, okay, I'm sitting and being lazy. So I guess nobody should give me any love. Nobody should give me any grace. I just, who am I to ask for that? And so when somebody does give it to me or share or express that to me, I have a very hard time accepting it. And when somebody will go, you know, it's okay. You can accept that and you can take it to heart. And I go, how do I do, like, how do, I do that? I do want to know how to do that in a positive way. But yeah, it's, it's incredible, a big change that that can make. It's literally just acknowledging the compliment or the success as opposed to shoving it away. Like, and, and I say thank you now, even though I don't believe it. I don't try and fight it. I just say thank you and mm-hmm. accept it, even though like those aren't the words that I actually believe. Because if I don't do that, I'm never going to let it happen. I'm never going to let that sink in. I'm never going to, I'm, I'm just going to keep pushing it away with the feeling like I don't deserve that compliment. Somebody has gone out of their way to say something kind to, 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 to gift me that. And I can do one of two things. I can sit in my own crap and slap that away and say, nope, you're wrong. Right. Which how do I know what their perception of me is? I don't have any control over that. And, and so I'm just going to completely disregard it. And then I'm going to create my own story about why I don't deserve it. Like the, I'm, I'm listening to everybody and it's like a lot of the messages that we received in life, 
we continue to carry and we create a self-punishment for it, mm -hmm. right? Whatever that story is to keep me comfortable in my own self-loathing because it's more uncomfortable to, to be outside of it, I'm going to write that message to myself and, and, and just keep me there. Like I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the one that holds me down. Right. And as soon as I started realizing that regardless of the message, if it's a positive one, I need to figure out a way to absorb it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Haley, listening to you talk, like all of those feelings, I know those feelings. Those have been my feelings for such a long time. The, the one thing when I was, was listening to that sweet little voice next to you while you were talking. <laughs> I want you, if you can, to try to look at yourself the way that that little girl looks at you because she mm -hmm. thinks you are so worthy of love and of grace and she is willing to forgive you and she she just thinks you're amazing. And, you know, if we can look at ourselves, try to look at ourselves through the eyes of our little ones, that's what we need to do because they don't see all of those flaws. They don't see us being lazy. They just see someone that is beautiful and wonderful and so worthy of love. So I guess I would just encourage you when I was when I was listening to her, like she thinks you're amazing, Haley. I wish you could see yourself the way that she does. Yeah. The other thought that came up when Steve was talking is um, our friend Ben one time, way back when we all first got sober together, he said compliments have sharp edges. And that was so well said. I know for me, we get some of the kindest and most thoughtful emails and messages about this podcast people who hear the conversations and it just, it changes something for them. It, it affects them in some amazing positive way. And I hear, I see those emails come in and the first thing I do is blow it off and say, oh, they're just being nice, right? <laughs> to let it sink in. Like Steve was talking about, it's hard. It takes a lot of effort. You have to change things and train yourself. Yeah. Very often we, we dismiss the compliments and I remember somebody in AA I guess he overheard me comment on someone's so compliment about me. I dismissed it and minimized it. And I said, yeah, you know, you know, whatever, you know, because the perception is, okay, that doesn't match how I feel inside, but also I'm kind of dubious as to why the person is saying that, you know, mm -hmm. the guy from AA said, don't do that. Say thank you. Like Steve was saying, say thank you, because if you don't acknowledge it and you don't say thank you, you're denying them the compliment and what they're trying to do with it. And that's not fair. No, it's a, it's always a selfish thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right, very much is. Keith, you got anything? Yeah, just I was just thinking about you know, accepting compliments, and you know, the, I, I think there's sometimes a certain amount of of fear accepting a compliment because it may boost my pride too much, mm -hmm. might boost my ego, mm -hmm. and 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 so not accepting compliments it is, is sort of a way of remaining humble, but it, it's, it, it is doing a disservice to the person complimenting you. In a way, it's kind of being rude to that person and, and actually not, not being truthful to yourself. Mm -hmm. If someone's giving me a compliment, they're seeing something that's honest and true in myself. And so that, that's kind of like a way to you know look, look at myself. Um, hearing that compliment and just, you know, realizing it in myself that, you know, that that's, uh, that's true. No, it, it's like, just like with Haley's little girl, right? 
other people aren't looking at us and looking for our flaws and looking to tear us down the way that we do to ourselves. Other people see the good in us. We just need to let them and appreciate that perspective instead of trying to push it away. So I went on vacation this past summer with my girls. I'm going to tell a, a little story. And this is this goes with the narrative that I have in my head that I'm not a good enough father. So it was just me and the girls. And I am out and about with them. And I have this narrative that's in my head that is, I'm not capable of taking care of the girls on my own. I have this narrative in my head that I'm not fun enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not there for them enough. I don't provide all of the things, right? Like if I don't cook them a healthy meal, then, then, then I'm a failure as a father. And then if I don't show up for them all of the time, everywhere, all then I'm a failure as a father, blah, 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 blah. And here I am, I'm out on vacation with my kids and I'm not having a good day. I'm telling myself all of these stories. I'm not just, I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'm a little bit short. The kids, they had a huge day the day before. So they're a little bit short and grumpy too. And uh, we're all just not really getting along. And I'm not being the emotionally healthy parent either. And I'm beating myself up over it. And I'm beating myself up over it from a message that that wasn't even my own. I, I It took me two days to realize it. And, and a really good long cry and a couple of phone calls for me to realize that this isn't my message. This isn't the message that I was telling. This is just, this is someone else's narrative of me. This isn't right. Why am I beating myself up for absolutely no reason? I have, I have the girls, I have this time, I have this wonderful, I'm taking them on this wonderful trip. I'm doing all sorts of cool things and I'm completely not acknowledging any of it. And I'm only seeing the dark side of the whole thing. So as soon as I recognized that, it took me two days. Uh, I have recognized it. My whole mood changed. I started showing up again. I started being there and I started, I stopped that message. I started turning that message into something positive. If I, if I said something negative about myself as a father, I found my, I found a way to find a positive message to counteract it. This is just this war in my head. But as soon as I was able to recognize it, I started giving myself a fighting chance and allowed myself to be present with the kids again. Hard. So how many of us received the message over the course of our entire lifetime that mistakes equal failure? Oh, yeah. Right? And yep. failure means you should hate yourself. Mm -hmm. like that is That right there is a massive battle. Mm -hmm. that I fought for a long time yeah, and I'm still I think I'm still fighting it yeah right that, that's the battle I had too uh, when I think mm -hmm. of self-loathing also I think about like my real like younger self before I understood what the word was I just thought I was a bad kid like bad because if um if if I start believing what uh being told and I'm being punished for things that I'm confused about at a very young age the only way I interpreted it is that I was bad and that carried on for years and became part of why I hated myself, why I tried to kill myself in 96 at a suicide attempt. But I saw myself as a bad person. I started to hate myself as if 
there is this person that hangs around me all the time. I can't freaking stand this guy. That's that's where the badness and the self-loathing got to. But do other people relate to that in a way that they felt they were bad when they were younger? Absolutely. It doesn't even have to be. It's all just a matter of perspective, right? You could have still been a good kid and and all of those things. And it's just a matter of, you know, if it's not A's, it's B's, right? That's the difference between good and bad, depending on the environment that you grew up with, right? Like you graduate. And, and the next question is, is, is not like a congratulations. It's what are you going to do next? And I'm like, well, hold on, hold on one second. Like I just did this thing. Can we celebrate this thing? Not what am I going to do next? I have no freaking idea. But can we just enjoy the moment? And I think a lot of life gets lost in in that alone. I'm just now recognizing how much I received that message that I'm bad. I kind of had what I would, I don't even want to say a falling out, but a, a moment with my mother recently where I shared with her how I'm feeling and let her see my imperfections and let her know my life's not perfect and all of these things, which I've never done, right? I've always put the perfect thing out there and my mom's no longer talking to me because that makes me bad, right? I'm not, and I can take that experience that just happened a month ago and I can reflect on it now looking back on my life and now realize how often I was made to feel like I'm bad. The things that I did that my parents considered bad, that I got punished for like pretty harshly were really not that bad. If I look at the things that my kids have done, like I was doing normal kid things and, you know, yeah, kids need to be reprimanded, you know, when, when they do something they shouldn't. Kids need to be guided and parented. But a lot of the things that I was punished for w- didn't deserve the level of punishment that I got. And so I absolutely inherently believed that I was a bad kid. And I was really a pretty good kid. I don't think I even recognized that that's the message I got until recently. Like we're always doing that, right? Uncovering more messages. And I think that's a, a constant on this journey. But yeah, I can identify with what you're saying for sure, Greg. It's like peeling back the onion in recovery. Yeah. It's a constant. You peel it back and you realize this and you realize something else as you go along. The onion is huge. It is an enormous <laughs> onion. It is, it is not, whenever we talk about an onion, I chop up on, onions all the time, right? And I'm like, okay, there, here's a layer. Eventually I get through the onion. This onion, I've, I, I've like, I have a funny feeling that I'm, I'm not going to find the core of the onion. I'm just going to keep peeling back more layers of the onion. And, and now it's more of an adventure than it is anything else. It's an adventure of self-discovery on the other side of all of this self-loathing. I'm just going to wrap it up here, guys. On the other side of this self-loathing is there's a lot of positives and a lot of great things that have come from even my negative experiences because they've allowed me to take that and turn them into something positive and then adjust my life to 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 go in a different direction and give that a try just even try and i think on the other side of it i've allowed myself to try just that's, I think it gets that simple. Just to try. Mistakes aren't failure. We talked about uh, this self-loathing comes with a lot of not good enough, which is messages that have come from, all of us talked about messages that have come from our childhood and, and our upbringing and associated with some loneliness too, right? It's, it's just a matter of 
what is that message? Where does that come from? And how do I learn to sit with myself? I think there's some parts in there that loneliness is probably a topic all on its own. <laughs> that inner that inner voice uh, was there very, very early on. But mm-hmm. what I found is that the only thing that could just shut that damn thing up was when I found alcohol and drugs. Uh-huh. That was the I mean, off switch. That was the yeah. off switch. And then I think that I reinforced that because when I wasn't drinking, you know, trying to be sober and uh, these voices came back. And so I had to go back again and and tell them to shut up and and, and shove them down. And it was just this back and forth, back and forth thing for, mm-hmm. for many, many years. And it reinforced it, right? Yeah. Because if I couldn't stop drinking because I keep on trying to shut this thing up and I continue on, God, I'm a bad person. And yeah, maybe I'm, I'm not worthy because I can't get sober. I upset that person. And then I'm back into it again. It's just been back and forth and back and forth for years. Yeah, it's that's that. That's the nasty cycle, right? I think it, there's a little bit of self-worth that comes along with that decision of that's it, I'm done. Just that's it, I'm done. And I'm going to do the do, do the something that's going to make my sobriety the most important thing and make my recovery the most important thing. So comes with making your own standards. I think developing what your own standards of, of being actually look like and that goes along with the message that we're received. Um, the feeling of deserving, I think a really big thing that we all talked about coming out of this self-loathing is accepting compliments. I think that's a huge one because it goes with deserving. I don't feel like I deserve this, so I'm not going to accept this compliment. I'm not going to say thank you, and I'm going to find a way to give it back to you instead of just hold on to it, even if I don't believe it. I think that is a huge one. That's a huge one. Everyone's nodding their head because I think it's a common struggle with everyone. And Greg, you said feelings of I'm bad. I'm not worthy of things. In my journal, and I started journaling again, I have never really been a person of positive affirmations and at the bottom of my journal, and I've started, I'm on day four now because I'm doing it for the whole month of November. And I have finished my journal with the same four positive affirmations. I am worthy. I am smart. I am love. And I am confident. And because those are things that I need to hear. And they're directly written by me to me. And I'm hoping that maybe after 30 days... I feel more of those. And I think that's what they're all about. So I'm even getting a little bit of emotional sharing that. So I am. So I want to say thank you, Haley. Thank you, Greg. And thank you, Keith, for showing up last minute and pulling this off and, and, and making some time for us today. Really appreciate your guys' thoughts and your time and your experiences. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. See you guys all soon. Mm 
And as always, we want to thank you, our listeners, for sharing space with us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow through the Glass Recovery Podcast so you don't miss future episodes like next week's episode all about finding your identity after you stop drinking.